Hello and welcome to a very special episode of The Paranormal Sun, coming to you live from Tower Studios. As always, I'm JT, and I'll be your tour guide as we explore the unexplained. Well, folks, the time is nigh. The Pentagon UFO report is out in full, nine pages. And tonight on The Paranormal Sun, on this breaking news segment, you're going to hear it in its totality. So I'm literally going to read the entire report for you. Uh, and unfortunately, it's much as what was reported in advance in the New York Times and elsewhere, and as I had a feeling from the outset. But let's not get too sad about it right now, because I haven't actually read the entire report. I knew it was coming out within the next day or two, but I just realized here about half an hour ago that the report was actually up, out, and ready to peruse. So I'm going to read it in its totality. I'll give you a bit of my commentary as we go through. But yeah, folks, um, we won't uh, we won't mess around with too much else. Just me telling you thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the program. Thank you for supporting me. It really does mean the world to me. And now we're going to get straight into this report. And there will be a link in the show notes, of course, so you can go and check it out for yourself. And this comes straight from dni.gov file, so this is from the Director of National Intelligence of the United States of America. So what I'm saying is, I've got the real deal file right here in front of me, right now. So, it says, Office of the Director of National Intelligence, Preliminary Assessment, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. 25th June, 2021. Unclassified. Scope and Assumptions. So folks, anytime you're talking about a paper, something like this, especially when it's got to do with military implications, the scope is discussing what will be covered in the documentation. So for example, they may be talking about exact they may they only may be talking about the recent cases, the Pentagon cases, etc. But that's what the scope is going to cover, and I'll read that to you right now. This preliminary report is provided by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, or ODNI, in response to the provision in Senate Report 116-233, accompanying the Intelligence Authorization Act, or the IAA, for fiscal year 2021, that the DNI, in consultation with the Secretary of Defense, or SECDEF, is to submit an intelligence assessment of the threat posed by Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, or UAPs, and the progress the Department of Defense Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, or UAPTF, has made in understanding this threat. I do like the terminology that they've actually used the word threat in this document. This report provides an overview for policymakers of the challenges associated with characterizing the potential threat posed by UAPs while also providing a means to develop relevant processes, policies, technologies, and training for the U.S. military and other U.S. government personnel if and when they encounter UAP, so as to enhance the intelligence community, or IC, ability to understand the threat. The director, UAPTF, is the accountable official for ensuring the timely collection and consolidation 
of data on UAP. The data set described in this report is currently limited primarily to U.S. government reporting of incidents occurring from November 2004 to March 2021. Data continues to be collected and analyzed. So, folks, they are talking about the incidents and U.S. government incidents, so i.e. the Nimitz and that other footage. They're saying primarily, so that means they're not going to necessarily not discuss other cases, but most of it will be on the recent stories we've heard. Data continues to be collected and analyzed. ODNI prepared this report for the Congressional Intelligence and Armed Services Committees, UAPTF, and the ODNI National Intelligence Manager for Aviation drafted this report, with input from USD, DIA, FBI, NRO, NGA, NSA, Air Force, Army, Navy, Navy-ONI, DARPA, FAA, NOAA, NGA, ODNI, NIM, Engineering and Disruptive Technology, ODNI, National Counterintelligence and Security Center, and ODNI, National Intelligence Council. So what they're saying, folks, is that they have basically canvassed just about every known government agency that should be involved in this. Now, when I say known, I mean that's obvious to us. We don't know what's going on in the black budget world and uh, the beyond dark agencies, let's call them. Okay, so continuing on, it says assumptions. Various forms of sensors that register UAP generally operate correctly and capture enough real data to allow initial assessments, but some UAP may be attributable to sensor anomalies, which, hey, that's fair enough, I'll give them that. So they're basically saying that we assume that most of the sensors that register UAP are operating correctly, but you can have anomalies, you can have sensor malfunctions, which, of course, is common sense. Agree with that. Executive Summary The limited amount of high-quality reporting on unidentified aerial phenomena hampers our ability to draw firm conclusions about the nature or intent of UAP. The Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, or UAPTF, considered a range of information on UAP described in U.S. military and IC intelligence community reporting. But because the reporting lacked sufficient specificity, ultimately recognizing that a unique, tailored reporting process was required to provide sufficient data for analysis of UAP events. As a result, the UAP Task Force concentrated its review on reports that occurred between 2004 and 2021, the majority of which are a result of this new, tailored process to better capture UAP events through formalized reporting. Most of the UAP reported probably do represent physical objects, given a majority of UAPs were registered across multiple sensors to include radar, infrared, electro-optical, weapon seekers, and visual observation. In a limited number of incidents, UAP reportedly appeared to exhibit unusual flight characteristics. These observations could be the result of sensor errors, spoofing, or observed misperception and require additional rigorous analysis. There are probably multiple types of UAP requiring different explanations based on the range of appearances and behaviors described in the available reporting. Our analysis of the data supports the construct that if and when individual UAP incidents are resolved, they will fall into one of five potential explanatory categories. Airborne clutter, 
Natural Atmospheric Phenomena, USG or U.S. Industry Developmental Programs, Foreign Adversary Systems, and a catch-all other bin. Of course, because <laughs> let's just throw everything that we don't like or we can't easily explain into an into a bin called other because you know we don't want to have any provocative titles of that bin like potential interplanetary or potential um entities from elsewhere let's just call it the other bin yeah i i I do give them credit because if i was writing this report and i knew that my bosses didn't want me writing provocative things that's what i would call it uap clearly pose a safety flight issue and may pose a challenge to u.s national security now folks that is all in bold, and I appreciate that we're finally starting to get some reality around the fact that when you've got things in the air that we can't explain, and we don't know what they are, they pose a risk, for goodness gracious. And uh, the fact that the government, for years and years and years, has been trying to say, oh, well, no, we can't explain what it is, but oh, we're sure it's nothing harmful, and just carry on about your business. So it says safety concerns primarily center on aviators contending with an increasingly cluttered air domain. Agree? UAP would also represent a national security challenge if they are foreign adversary collection platforms or provide evidence a potential adversary has developed either a breakthrough or disruptive technology. Or if it was anyone else. It it doesn't just have to be a foreign adversary, folks. It could be terrorists. It could be a rogue person it could be all kinds of things you don't just need again we are marching down this road of we need to have enemies and we need to name enemies so that we continue to fatten our military budget consistent consolidation of reports from across the federal government standardized reporting increased collection and analysis and a streamlined process for screening all such reports against a broad range of relevant usg data will allow for more sophisticated analysis of UAP that is likely to deepen our understanding. Some of these steps are resource-intensive and would require additional investment. So basically they're saying, well, if we looked into this deeper, we may find out some more. Well, yeah, that goes without saying, folks. And on top of that, as I read this document, I am reminded more and more of Blue Book and other Air Force investigations in the past just kind of almost repackaged for the 21st century. So available reporting largely inconclusive, and that's in all capitals, all bold. Limited data leaves most UAP unexplained. Limited data and inconsistency in reporting are key challenges to evaluating UAP. No standardized reporting mechanism existed until the Navy established one in March 2019. Potentially. Maybe there is one, and it's just been not broadcast. Maybe they've always known what to do, i.e. the pilots and people who see these UAPs, but it's just not been on the record, so to speak. The Air Force subsequently adopted that mechanism in November 2020, but it remains limited to USG reporting. The UAPTF regularly heard anecdotally during its research about other observations that occurred, but which were never captured in formal or informal reporting by those observers. After carefully considering this information, the UAPTF focused on reports that involved UAP largely witnessed firsthand by military aviators and that were collected from systems we consider to be reliable. Again, who's we? These reports describe incidents that occurred between 2004 and 2021, 
So, okay, folks, as I said at the beginning, basically, we are not talking about UFOs for all time. We're not talking about Roswell. We're not talking about Kecksburg. Hell, we're not even talking about the Phoenix Lights. We're talking about from 2004 to now. And that's it. With the majority coming in the last two years as the new reporting mechanism became better known to the military aviation community. From a scientific standpoint, I do understand that. I just am a bit disappointed that we're just going to shine such a narrow beam that maybe we will get the, the outcome that we would like. We are able to identify one reported UAP with high confidence. In that case, we identified the object as a large deflating balloon. The others remain unexplained. So you're telling me out of the UAPs you studied, you can only explain one? Okay, interesting. I wonder how many they studied. Let's find out. 144 reports re originated from USG sources, so that's U.S. government. Of these, 80 reports involved observation with multiple sensors. So 144 reports, more than half of those were observed with more than one sensor, so not just one radar, not just one um, uh, weapons lock system, etc., multiple, so that is important. Most reports described UAP as objects that interrupted pre-planned training or other military activity. So what they're saying is most of the UAPs turned up when they were out doing training or maybe out on maneuvers, and all of a sudden these UAPs came and interrupted it. Yeah, sounds interesting to me, folks. I would definitely consider that a threat, wouldn't you? UAP collection challenges. Sociocultural stigmas and sensor limitations remain obstacles to collecting data on UAP. Although some technical challenges, such as how to appropriately filter out radar clutter, to ensure safety of flight and military and civilian aircraft are long-standing in the aviation community, while others are unique to the UAP problem set. Narratives from aviators in the operational community and analysis, or sorry, analysts from the military and IC describe disparagement associated with observing UAP. Well, yes, people have been making fun of it for years, and it basically came from the CIA, the FBI, and the U.S. government itself basically discrediting, debunking, and telling people that anyone who saw anything in the sky unexplained was a crackpot, an alcoholic, or various shades of psychotic. So, gee, I wonder where that came from. So anyway, narratives from aviators in the operational community and, and analysts from the military and IC, so Intelligence Committee, describe disparagement associated with observing UAP, reporting it, or attempting to discuss it with colleagues. Although the effects of these stigmas have lessened as senior members of the scientific, policy, military, and intelligence communities engage on the topic seriously in public, reputational risk may keep many observers silent, complicating scientific pursuit of the, of the topic. And again, all by design, by these same intelligence committees, by the same U.S. government that is mentioned, these are the same people who have been calling people crackpots, morons, idiots, and everything else since the beginning of UFO sightings. So let talk about the, the pot calling the kettle black. It's the same entity that is supposedly investigating this is the entity that started all of this BS. The sensors mounted on U.S. military platforms are typically designed to fulfill specific missions, of course. As a result, these sensors are not generally suited for identifying UAP. So what they're saying is the sensors mounted on military planes, ships, etc., they're designed for their specific missions. They're not designed to look for or to identify what these UAPs may be. Sensor vantage points and the number of sensors concurrently observing an object 
play substantial roles in distinguishing UAP from known objects and determining whether a UAP demonstrates breakthrough aerospace capabilities. Optical sensors have the benefit of providing some insight into relative size, shape, and structure. Radio frequency sensors provide more accurate velocity and range information. So again, folks, the way that this is written, it's trying to explain how, why, the sensors, how they work, etc. Just bearing in mind that there are many people in Congress who probably don't have a military background, and so they need to understand these things as they read the report. But some potential patterns do emerge. Although there was wide variability in the reports, and the data set is currently too limited to allow for detailed trend or pattern analysis, there was some clustering of UAP observations regarding size, shape, and particularly propulsion. UAP sightings also tended to cluster around U.S. training and testing grounds, but we assess that this may result from a collection bias as a result of focused attention, greater numbers of latest generation sensors operating in those areas, unit expectations, and guidance to report anomalies. So what they're saying, folks, is that there is a greater amount of UAP spotting observations made in and around training areas and, and testing grounds. But what they're saying is that may be due to the fact that people are military personnel are on the lookout for that stuff because that's what training and testing grounds are there to do. So they're just saying they don't know if it's the fact that people are being more diligent in observation there or that there are actually more UAPs appearing there. Now, if there are more UAPs appearing there, of course, it would mean that someone is keeping an eye on testing and training of U.S. military technology. And I would say it's probably a bit of both. And a handful of UAP appear to demonstrate advanced technology. Handful. Okay, that's fine. In 18 incidents, described in 21 reports, observers reported unusual UAP movements patterns or flight characteristics so 18 out of i believe 180 so that's 10 percent. so that's a pretty good batting average as far as it goes to them saying that these things acted extraordinary as per our normal as compared to our normal capabilities some uap appeared to remain stationary in winds aloft move against the wind maneuver abruptly or move at considerable speed without discernible means of propulsion in a small number of cases, military aircraft systems processed radio frequency or RF energy associated with UAP sightings. The UAPTF, or again, UAP Task Force, holds a small amount of data that appears to show UAP demonstrating acceleration or a degree of signature management. Additional rigorous analysis are necessary by multiple teams or groups of technical experts to determine the nature and validity of these data. We are conducted further we are conducting further analysis to determine if breakthrough technologies were demonstrated. UAP probably lacked a single explanation. Again, I would agree with that. The UAP documented in this limited data set demonstrate an array of aerial behaviors, reinforcing the possibility there are multiple types of UAP requiring different explanations. Our analysis of the data supports the construct that if and when individual UAP incidents are resolved, they will fall into one of those five explanatory categories. Clutter, natural atmospheric phenomena, USG, or industry development, foreign adversary systems, and other. With the exception of the one instance where we determined that with high confidence that the reported UAP was airborne clutter, specifically a deflating balloon, 
We currently lack sufficient information in our data set to attribute incidents to specific explanations. So I'm trying to bite my tongue here, folks. I'll try and save it for the end because we're actually about halfway through. Airborne clutter. These objects include birds, balloons, recreational unmanned aerial vehicles, so in other words, your or I drones, and they're calling those UAVs, or airborne debris like plastic bags that muddle a scene and affect an operator's ability to identify true targets, such as enemy aircraft. Yes, folks, because they're often plastic bags floating at twenty or 30,000 feet in the air in a, an area with supersonic jets operating. Happens all the time. Natural atmospheric phenomena. Natural atmospheric phenomena includes ice crystals, moisture, thermal fluctuations that may register on some infrared and radar systems. Agree with that. USG or industry developmental programs. Some UAP observations could be attributable to developments and classified programs by U.S. entities. Note it says U.S. entities, not U.S. military or government, because these could be black budget types. This could be Lockheed Martin or, or Grumman or any of the other ones. We are unable to confirm, however, that these systems accounted for any of the UAP reports we collected. Yeah, because number one, if you knew, you won't tell us because you don't want to tell people that you're testing top secret stuff. Two, there's a high possibility that anyone who's in a black budget is just going to basically give you the whole it's on a need to know basis and you don't need to know. So piss off. Foreign adversary systems. Some UAP may be technologies deployed by China, Russia, another nation, or a non-governmental entity. Okay, I do find it interesting that they name China and Russia, and then they say another nation. So out of the 200-plus nations in the world, they've decided that there's only two that we need to name because they are our adversaries. They are foreign adversary systems. So again, let's beat that war drum, folks. Or a non-governmental entity. Now, that is interesting to me because I've told you before, there is a possibility that there are things like breakaway civilizations in that or other groups that are not necessarily a government entity so i do like the wording there i'll give them that other so this is our bin where we're just going to throw everything in although most of the uap described in our data set probably remain unidentified due to limited data or challenges to collection processing or analysis again i'm trying to bite my tongue we may require additional scientific knowledge to successfully collect on analyze and characterize some of them. We would group such objects in this category pending scientific advances that allow us to better understand them. The UAPTF intends to focus additional analysis on the small number of cases where a UAP appeared to display unusual flight characteristics or sig signature management. So folks, what's interesting about that? Well, airborne clutter, we've got several examples of what they call airborne clutter. Natural atmospheric phenomena, they've got their examples. USG or industry Developmental programs, they've got their examples. Foreign adversary, let's name China and Russia. But when we get to other, we're just going to keep it very vanilla. We don't want to talk about that it could potentially be someone from another planet, someone from within our solar system, someone from another dimension or anything like that. Let's just, we're just going to say that, look, we're going to study some of this some more and uh, we're not going to talk about it. Uh, I do find it interesting the way that you write something like this to get people to focus on certain segments of it. I've done this, folks. I've written at a professional level. Uh, I've spent many years in business and business management. And so I can tell you, I know how to steer people's attention towards the things you want them to focus on versus other. And that is a classic tactic there. 
is that all these other four groups, you've got specifically named examples. And then in other, it's just, oh, well, it's probably due to us not being able to analyze it properly. So we're going to look at that in future and just sidestepping the question of, well, what is other? So again, though, this is a pos this is a positive one here in all bold, all caps, underline UAP threaten flight safety and possibly national security. Fully agree. Again, I, I'm sure at the highest levels of the Pentagon and everything else, this has been a no-brainer for years. But on the public-facing front of the military, the Pentagon, etc., the stupid comments along the lines of, oh, well, they don't pose any risk. Don't worry about it. Don't stress out. Even though it, even though it was moving at 9,000 miles an hour at 80,000 feet, it's not going to cause any issues. Don't worry about it. So um, I, I do like the fact that they're finally acknowledging publicly that it is a threat to flight safety. And it's not possibly to me, but it is a threat to national security. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to we need to go and start a war with whoever these UAPs are. But if they're flying over your nationally sovereign space, it's a threat to your national security. Don't possibly me this. So UAP pose a hazard to safety of flight and could pose a broader danger if some instances represent sophisticated collection against U.S. military activities by a foreign government or demonstrate a breakthrough aerospace technology by a potential adversary. Now, again, folks, there, see the wording? So sophisticated collection by a foreign government, but when we talk about the breakthrough aerospace technology, potential adversary. So, again, that could be someone who is not a government, i.e. another group. Ongoing airspace concerns. When aviators encounter safety hazards, they are required to report these concerns. Depending on the location, volume, and behavior of hazards during incursions on ranges, pilots may cease their tests and or training and land their aircraft, which has a deterrent effect on reporting. Of course. So folks, think about in the jobs you've worked, health and safety things. We all know it's all about productivity and, and, and turning out things. So if you had to shut down... Let's say you work in a restaurant and there was a health and safety issue and you had to shut down the restaurant for half an hour. The boss isn't going to be very happy. And it's the same kind of thing here. That's what they're saying. This deters the pilots from reporting these things because they'd have to land their aircraft and stop what they're doing. And then it also obviously would officially go on the record. The UAPTF has 11 reports of documented instances in which pilots reported near misses with UAPs. Okay, so 11 out of 180. That's roughly 5%, more than 5%. Okay, this is something we need to be concerned about. And don't, again, don't tell me potential, possibly. No, it's this is an issue. So potential national security challenges. We currently lack data to indicate any UAP are part of a foreign collection program or in, indicative of a major technological advancement by potential adversaries. We continue to monitor for evidence of such programs given the counterintelligence challenge they would pose, particularly as some UAPs have been detected near military facilities or by aircraft carrying the USG's most advanced sensor systems. Yep, again, of course, preaching to the choir here. It is a national security issue. Explaining UAP will require analytic collection and resource investment. And that's all bold, uh, underlined, all caps. Standardize the reporting, consolidate the data, and deepen the analysis. In line with the provisions of Senate Record 116233, 
accompanying the IAA for FY 2021, so financial year, the UAPTF's long-term goal is to widen the scope of its work to include additional UAP events documented by a broader swath of USG personnel and technical systems in its analysis. As the data set increases, the UAPTF's ability to employ data analytics to detect trends will also improve. The initial focus will be employ artificial intelligence slash machine learning algorithms to cluster and recognize similarities and patterns and features of the data points. As the database accumulates information from known aerial objects, such as weather balloons, hey, gotta name them weather balloons, folks, high altitude or super pressure balloons, and wildlife, machine learning can add efficiency by pre-assessing UAP reports to see if those records match similar events already in the database. So they're talking about either building or restructuring a current AI system to identify these UAPs as they come in these reports and kind of classify them into one of these five buckets. The UAPTF has begun to develop interagency and analytical and processing workflows to ensure both collection and analysis will be well-informed and coordinated. The majority of UAP data is from U.S. Navy reporting, but efforts are underway to standardize incident reporting across U.S. military services and other government agencies to ensure all relevant data is captured with respect to particular incidents and any U.S. activities that might be relevant. The UAPTF is currently working to acquire additional reporting, including from the U.S. Air Force, and has begun receiving data from the Federal Aviation Administration. Although USAF data collection has been limited historically, the USAF began a six-month pilot program in November 2020 to collect in the most likely areas to encounter UAP and is evaluating how to normalize future collection, reporting, and analysis across the entire U.S. Air Force. The FAA captures data relating to UAP during the normal course of managing air traffic operations. The FAA generally ingests this data when pilots and other airspace users report unusual or unexpected events to the FAA's air traffic organization. In addition, the FAA continuously monitors its systems for anomalies, generating additional information that may be of use to the UAPTF. The FAA is able to isolate data of interest to the UAPTF and make it available. The FAA has a robust and effective outreach program that can help the UAPTF reach members of the aviation community to highlight the importance of reporting UAP. Expand Collection The UAPTF is looking for novel ways to increase collection of UAP cluster areas when U.S. forces are not present as a way to baseline standard UAP activity and mitigate the collection bias in the dataset. One proposal is to use advanced algorithms to search historical data captured and stored by radars. The UAPTF also plans to update its current interagency UAP collection strategy in order to uh, in order bring to bear relevant collection platforms and methods from the DOD and the IC. So what they're saying there is that they want to measure if there are more UAPs present when the U.S. military is around or less. So they're trying to work out ways to kind of see, think of it like background radiation and a Geiger counter, and you always hear them say, this is normal background radiation. So what they're trying to say is, how can we measure what is normal amount of UAPs in an area? Uh, uh, again, it's surreal to me to use the term normal amount of UAPs. But anyway, that's what they're trying to work out. 
Are there more when the military is there or less? Or the, the same as normal? Increase investment in research and development. The UAPTF has indicated that additional funding for research and development could further the future study of the topics laid out in this report. Such investments should be guided by a UAP collection strategy, UAP R&D technical roadmap, and a UAP program plan. So now we're down to just the appendix. Appendix A, definition of key terms. Okay, so this report in the UAPTF database used the following defining terms. Unidentified flying phenomena, which is airborne objects not immediately identifiable. The acronym UAP represents the broadest category of airborne objects reviewed for analysis. UAP event, a holistic description of an occurrence during which a pilot or aircrew witnesses or detects a UAP. UAP incident, a specific part of the event. UAP report, documentation of a UAP event to include verified chains of custody and basic information such as the time, date, location, and description of the UAP. UAP reports include range Fowler reports and other reporting. Appendix B. Senate report accompanying the Intelligence Authorization Act for fiscal year 2021. Senate report 116233 accompanying the Intelligence Authorization Act for the fiscal year 2021 provides that the DNI, in consultation with the Secretary of Defense and other relevant heads of USG agencies, is to submit an intelligence assessment of the threat posed by UAP and the progress the UAPTF has made to understand this threat. The Senate report specifically requested that the report include 1. A detailed analysis of UAP data and intelligence reporting collected or held by the Office of Naval Intelligence, including data and intelligence reporting held by the UAPTF. 2. A detailed analysis of unidentified phenomena data collected by 1. Or sorry, A. Geospatial Intelligence, B. Signals Intelligence, C. Human Intelligence, and D. Measurement Signatures Intelligence. 3. A detailed analysis of data of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, so the FBI, which derived from investigations of intrusions of UAP data over restricted U.S. airspace. 4. A detailed description of an interagency process for ensuring timely data collection and centralized analysis of all UAP reporting for the federal government, regardless of which service or agency acquired the information. 5. Identification of an official accountable for the process described in paragraph 4. 6. Identification of potential aerospace or other threats posed by the UAP to national security, and an assessment of whether the UAP activity may be attributed to one or more foreign adversaries. 7. Identification of any incidents or patterns that indicate a potential adversary have achieved breakthrough aerospace capabilities that could put U.S. strategic or conventional forces at risk, and 8. Recommendations regarding increased collection of data, enhanced research and development, additional funding, and other resources. And folks, that is the entire nine pages of this document. So I am going to be back to you shortly to give you a bit more of an update on what my thoughts are in and around this, but... The word that springs to mind to me, my friends, immediately is underwhelming. Hey, this is Scott from the old 77. Have you listened to our show? Check us out. We're the Hangout Podcast. You come hang out with a bunch of friends and just talk. And you talk about anything. I mean, like this. Yeah. If Kanye dropped dead today, yeah. would you shed a tear? 
deep down, would you be like, oh, on yeah. Yeah, if he dies, man, I'm <laughs> sad. I'm about to tear up right now. Oh, just dude, you mentioning. We've fun. even had weird stuff happen like this. Uh, there's been a lot of stabbings in that building. Yeah, I'm sure there has. A couple of shootings. Wild Wild West. Mm-hmm. Poker games. Yeah, poker games. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it was just And of course, who can forget guests like JT from the Paranormal Sun? In my life, like, you know, like the older generation talks about Kennedy getting shot. The real seminal moments to me that like I can come New to episodes out Tuesday on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Apple, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Find us on social media and like and subscribe on YouTube. This is the one and only (laughs) Old 77. So, folks, sadly, that is what this document is. It's nine pages to me of much ado about nothing. And unfortunately, when I gave my initial thoughts on this report, I said to you that I thought, we were either basically going to get told that there's nothing here to really talk about, or we're going to get told, uh, well, we haven't had time to identify it. Now, I don't know, obviously, I have no idea what has gone on in the classified briefing. That is the one caveat I will give. And also, we don't know, maybe there will be something else that comes out in the following days. But all this talk that they were going to have to open the open the vault, open the vault and release everything UFO related. So either number one, that's not what it was about and we all misunderstood. Or number two, there's nothing in the vault. Or number three, they want us to think there's nothing in the vault because there's there's very little here. OK, now they've talked a few numbers. They haven't talked about any case by the name that you and I would know it by. So. No one has talked about the, uh, what was it, the Gimbal case, the Tic Tac case. They've just talked about these cases between November 2004 and March 2021. They haven't named any cases. They haven't said, they haven't even said, okay, this happened in the Atlantic or off the East Coast or in the Pacific. Yeah, so I guess we'll see. And I do want to try and stay positive still, but... This is just giving me deja vu flashback moments of Project Blue Book and Project Grudge and Project Sign. Now, all of those were well before my time, but basically the whole thing that there's nothing to it. And even the ones that are a bit anomalous, if we had more time to investigate, we would find out that there's nothing to those either. Now, that's what they said back then. I know this isn't quite that damning of a um, instance, but they're very much saying that There's not a lot to it. And in fact, the only thing that's really named in here is, oh, well, maybe it's the Chinese or the Russians. Yeah, uh, sorry, I'm not buying it. Again, that's just my personal opinion, but I have been, I've been involved in this world of UFOs and the unexplained my whole life. So over 40 years. And the reality is, folks, I'm sorry if the U.S. military that spends more than the next, I believe it's either the next 16 or 17 countries combined so more than china russia france uk brazil on and on and on all together if they're that advanced over the u.s military the there's only two ways i can see that possibly happening one is that you just had some really rogue super intelligent scientist out there like a tesla type or a hawking type that was working for one of those governments but again if they are no one's talking about it publicly no one's talking about this mega mind that's inventing all this stuff. 
And I would argue that in this day and age, it's very hard to keep that kind of stuff secret. Maybe for a few months or whatever, but over years and years? Yeah, I'm not buying it. The other possibility is that they've got their hands on other, let's just, other technology that the U.S. government doesn't have its hands on. And again, I find that laughable. I don't believe that Russia or China could have their hands on UFO or extra dimensional or some kind of other outside entities technology and the U.S. government doesn't. Okay, uh, that's just my personal opinion. But from everything I've seen, folks, it's like, come, come on. Really? I just don't buy it. Okay, so I guess we will see what comes out of this. Uh, like I say, there are some positives here. And I'm trying to look at the positives in this report. It's finally been admitted in a report that these are, well, they call them possible or potential national security threats. They are, they, look, they, they are national security threats. There is no possible. There is no potential. Just because something hasn't flown over Washington and evaporated Congress does not mean that it is not a national security threat. If you have something flying with impunity through your airspace, doing what it wants when it likes, disappearing and appearing at will, flying across the surface of the water and then disappearing into the water and continuing to move at several hundred knots an hour. And by the way, folks, none of our known technology can do that, can even travel underwater that fast, let alone barely on the surface of the water. I don't think there's anything that can go two or three hundred knots on the surface of the water, maybe a rocket or a jet boat, but it's only going to go for a little while. So yeah, folks, um, yeah, basically what I'm saying is me personally, I'm just not buying this. Like I say, who knows what's in the end, what's in the classified documentation, the classified briefing that's been given. And also who's to say what will happen in the next few days or weeks as some stuff falls out. Now I am going to read you a very brief article that's from coast to coast to try and give us a little bit more of a flesh out because I've just basically Jump right to the good stuff on this episode, and I have given you the the good stuff. Jump straight into it. So, um, oh, one more thing I just wanted to say real quick as well. One of the beauties of recording this is I've been doing it in real time, and uh, Chris Rich Boy Reynolds uh, gave me a shout out on to the program on Instagram and threw it in the story and told people to follow and listen to the episode when it comes out. So thanks, Chris. I I do appreciate it. And uh, like I say, folks. Those kind of things mean a lot to me, so so thanks again. I do appreciate it. And again, this is just about me trying to present this information for you all. Not everyone has time to go through and read a nine-page document that's written in this type of language, and so I'm happy to be able to read it to you and hopefully make it a little bit more understandable for those of you who aren't used to reading this kind of stuff. So this article is from Coast to Coast, as I said. Pentagon UFO report released finds no definitive answers for phenomenon. Now, I like this story because it's just fairly brief. That's one of the reasons I'm going to read it. After months of fevered speculation as to what insights it might contain, the Pentagon's long-awaited report on UFOs has been released to the public. Posted online late Friday afternoon, the nine-page document is said to serve as intelligence assessment of the threat posed by unidentified aerial phenomena, or UAP, as well as progress the Department of Defense Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force has made an understanding this threat. As was suggested when details of the report leaked in the New York Times, the study largely creates far more questions than answers. I'd agree with that. 
though it does provide some fascinating perspective from the government concerning the phenomena. I'd also agree with that. The report specifically laments the limited amount of high-quality reporting on unidentified aerial phenomena hampers our ability to draw firm conclusions about the nature or intent of UAPs. And again, guess who started it? CIA, FBI, U.S. military, basically going out and saying that anyone who saw this stuff is a crackpot, on drugs, a communist, um, uh, you know, on and on and on, all the bad things of the world rolled into one. To that end, they note there were no standardized methods for reporting UFO encounters until the Navy developed a process back in March of 2019. Again, I blow BS on that. I'm sure there was, I just think it was much more off the record. With that in mind, the report stresses that the majority of cases that were examined for the assessment came from this period of time. Additionally, it's explained the study focused on reports that involved UAP largely witnessed firsthand by military aviators that were collected from systems we consider to be reliable. As for the Pentagon's take on what these objects might be, the report observed that there are probably multiple types of UAPs, based on the cases that were examined. To that end, the assessment found they were five possible, or sorry, potential expl explanatory categories for these sightings. The first is airborne clutter, such as birds, balloons, and drones. The second is natural atmospheric phenomena, along the lines of ice crystals and thermal fluctuations. Third among the possibilities, which seems to defy previous reporting, said to be found in the assessment, is developments in classified programs by U.S. entities. The fourth category is foreign adversary systems. Again, the wording is surreal to me. Foreign adversary systems. I'm not, look, again, folks, I'm not making excuses for other governments, but to follow that very, that, that, that very simplistic thought of U.S. good, everyone else bad is just silly to me. And yes, of course, there are people out there in this world that want bad things to happen to the U.S. There are people out there that want bad things to happen to just about every country. But labeling things as foreign adversary systems, to me, you're basically trying to plump up your budget. Suggesting that UAPs could be a craft from Russia or China, another nation or a non-governmental entity. The final category, which will be likely seized upon by UFO enthusiasts, is simply other. But again, like I say, what is other? They didn't explain it very well which the report says are cases that may require additional scientific knowledge to successfully collect on, analyze, and characterize. Where one looking for mention of aliens in the assessment, this would be the place where such a scenario appears to be hidden without outright saying as much. In these instances, which defied categorization, the report notes that objects appeared to display unusual flight characteristics or signature management. Again, stressing the challenges of data collection, the report conceded that it could not definitely solve any of these cases studied for the assessment aside from one instance when the UAP turned out to be a balloon. But that as it may, the document did note some trends that were able to be gleaned from the limited data set available. There was some clustering of UAP observations regarding shape, size, and particular propulsion, the report says. Additionally, it observed that a high volume of sightings occur around the U.S. training and testing grounds although it acknowledged that this could be biased due to focused attention, greater numbers of latest generation sensors operating in those areas, unit expectations, and guidance to report anomalies. Beyond that, another trend noted by the report is that, in a handful of instances, UAPs appear to demonstrate advanced technology in the form of the aforementioned unusual flight characteristics. Among the oddities found in the cases were incidents in which the objects 
remain stationary in winds aloft, move against the wind, maneuver abruptly, or move at considerable speed without discernible means of propulsion. And intriguingly, the report says that, in a small number of cases, military aircraft systems processed radio frequency energy associated with the UAP sighting. As one might imagine, the report called for additional rigorous analysis of instances wherein UAPs demonstrate these capabilities. Ultimately, the report found that the UAPs represent both a flight hazard as well as a potential national security threat, either by way of foreign nations spying on American operations or via breakthrough aerospace technology by a potential adversary. As such, the assessment indicated that UAP Task Force intends to continue collecting case data, which it hopes will allow for more granular analysis using machine learning and artificial intelligence. It also indicated that the adoption of a uniform reporting standard across the government is underway. And finally, the report called for additional funding for research and development when it comes to getting to the bottom of the UFO mystery. So folks, unfortunately, very much looks like much to do about nothing. Much ado about nothing, sorry. Like I say, unfortunately, it just looks like it's become, well, we really don't have a lot for you, even though we had a deadline of six months. So yeah, folks, we'll keep an eye on it. We always do here for you at the Paranormal Sun, and we'll see. Um, if nothing else comes out in the next few days, I'll cover it on the planned Wednesday episode. That is the plan. I do plan to have that episode out to you on Wednesday. I haven't gotten started on it just yet, and when I found out about what's going on right now, uh, I decided that this needed to get to you first because I promised to you that I would cover it. Now, right now, I am just updating the links in the show notes. So you can go directly to that article. Um, sorry, you can go to the article, the Coast to Coast article, and you can also go directly to the file if you would like to go and look at the report. With that being said, my friends, have a good, safe week. If you've got any questions about this report or anything else, get a hold of me. You know where to find me. Instagram's usually the best, and if you go to Instagram and click in the link in the profile, that will take you basically anywhere you want to go. Stay safe, my friends. Take care. And we will talk soon.